Hello, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. If you enjoyed today's broadcast, then check out my website at narctroopers.com. Find lots of good things there. I want to also announce an upcoming live free um, Zoom meeting that's going to happen. It's like a webinar and the topic is going to be surviving the holidays. It's November 5th, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and the year is 2022. So if you're listening to this podcast and it's after November 5th, 2022, then you missed it. You missed an opportunity to load up your toolbox with a lot of... um, with like an arsenal of weapons to use against all of your uh, intrusive thoughts, anxiety, panic, um, all that stuff, right? You can use you can use these tools. So um, I'm going to post uh, the link in the description here to go with this podcast. So if you're interested, mark your calendars. Come talk with me. There's going to be a uh, after the surviving the holiday tip session there's going to be a question and answer session where you can ask me and two other mental health professionals questions any question that you can think of ask it and we will try to uh, make sure that everybody gets their questions answered yep november 5th 11 a.m pst today we're going to talk about shame and blame it's a game shame and blame is a game And, you know, the narcissist, you know, they love their games. They are players and they play the game. And so the shame and blame game is one of the games they play. (laughs) All right, here we go. The narcissist weaponizes blame to preserve their false self. My perception of the world around me are divided into two distinct parts before and after the narcissist. So of course, you know, we we have to think about that, how much we change. It's kind of like, um, you know, these people have raging cases of NPD. It's kind of like an STD, only it's NPD, and it's still viral, it's raging, it's contagious, it's infectious, it's nasty and pernicious. It's all those things, you know? and highly, highly contagious, worse than some COVID strains. And you know what? It's also deadlier. It really is. After a relationship with a person who has narcissistic personality disorder, NPD, nothing is ever going to be the same. You become infected and it becomes a chronic disease. Lasts forever. Never really goes away. In order to avoid this tragic fate, it helps to understand what you are dealing with. What is the primary root of NPD? So let's take a look. NPD is a shame-based disorder. A new study published in these, uh, the BMC Psychiatry Journal identifies the role of shame in contributing to the negative outcomes associated with narcissism. The researchers found that young people who were 
diagnosed with vulnerable covert narcissism, demonstrated greater shame, and had higher scores in fearful attachment styles. Narcissists rarely, if ever, feel guilt, but are deeply tormented by shame. This is most likely because as children, they, were, they never really developed normative empathy for others. It's like emotional empathy. That's what they lack. They may have cold empathy. They may be able to recognize what other people are feeling, but as far as them feeling anything in that cavernous space where there should be a heart, it's not happening. They lack this, and it allows them to feel um, pretty much nothing when other people are suffering. They lack compassion and a sense of responsibility for their actions and their behavior that should trigger guilt if they were a neurotypical, but it doesn't. They've spent a lifetime denying reality, becoming manipulative and covering up their sense of inadequacy and self-loathing by externalizing and projecting these feelings onto their partners and other people in their lives. According to the DSM-5, the essential features of narcissistic personality disorder are a pervasive pattern of grandiosity, a need for admiration, and a lack of empathy. This is from the American Psychiatric Association. The key to shame-related psychopathology, such as we see in narcissistic personality disorders, is the relative vulnerability of the individual to um, mental states associated with shame along with the corresponding degree to which the entire personality structure is organized around defending against shameful experiences. Now, this is often confused with guilt, since a, you know, which is a feeling of distress about something that we have done. Shame is different. Shame is a feeling of distress about who we are. So, you know, you hear about people talking about parenting and don't ever say, you're a bad kid, you're a bad boy, you're a bad girl. Um, say what you did is bad. You're a good person, but what you did was bad. So don't do that again because you're good. And to make that separate distinction is super important for your children to do that. So shame is a feeling of distress about who you are, about just fundamentally your identity and who you are. Um, whereas guilt is more about what you've done. So shame can cause someone to become a narcissist. Yep. And I, I've done a lot of research and I've listened to a lot of um, lectures and done some reading recently about root causes of narcissism. And I want to get to that. I'm going to make another episode soon that we're moving away from always blaming childhood trauma and, and absent parenting and toxic scripting and stuff from early childhood. And we're starting to think about it in terms of that there's just thousands and thousands of, of um, factors that go into shaping a person to have this disorder, sort of a predisposition, if you will. And that must happen probably even before they're born, in the womb, you know, in it, it happens that early because you have like two people um, in a family, both with the same toxic parents, 
one of them becomes a narcissist and the other one does not, what were the factors that were different for the one who became a narcissist? Well, it had to be something that they just came with, some hardwired, something that they experienced. You know, an interesting fact that I heard Dr. Vaknin say last week is that, you know, there's, they have proven now scientifically that a hormonal uh, disruption imbalance kind of thing um, can, is, is one of the reasons that people are born um, with, you know, homosexuality. It's caused by hormonal imbalances in the womb. It's, and they're born that way, just like Lady Gaga says. They're actually born that way because it's predetermined. Um, it's, it's scripted in there in their early formative in the womb thing. And that all these influences, you know, what mom does, did she smoke? Did she drink alcohol? Did she use cocaine, smoke weed? Did she have trauma? Did she experience trauma? Like all these people in the COVID pandemic, that's a collective trauma. And um, anyway, we're going to talk all about that later. Let's come back to this, 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 um, this guilt, you know, um, guilt is a feeling of distress about something we've done, right? Shame is a, is a feeling of distress about who we are. This is super important. Joseph Burgo, a psychotherapist and author of Shame Free Yourself, Find Joy and Build True Self-Esteem. Wow, that's a really long book title. Um, he says, to me, narcissism is the flip side of shame. When things go wrong, like if your childhood varies dramatically from what we all expect childhood to be like, it leaves you with this feeling of core shame. And as you get older, it can become so unbearably painful that you feel driven to construct this false personality in order to cover it over. So I think that this is, this is, it sounds right to me. I, I don't know. I, I can't challenge that. It, it sounds like that's exactly what happens with this relationship with shame. Here again, I think that there's more than just the, this, more than the, the, um, toxic parenting, the abuse, the trauma, uh, the environment, nature versus nurture. I think there's more to it that happens even earlier in the womb. But this goes without saying that after you are born and you have this predisposition that's built in and hardwired and on a cellular level that, you know, your brain has not developed normally in the womb because of things, you know, factors, who knows, it could be, you know, uh, toxic elements in the environment. It could be all kinds of things. So you come out with this, this, uh, brain that's already, uh, been affected before birth. And then you're put in these situations here with the bad parenting and the environment and the, and trauma and, um, and all of that. Well, yeah, that's a recipe to, for a narcissist, right? Um, how could you not be with all of those factors stacked against you? The narcissist doesn't necessarily consciously know that they're dealing with shame, you know, while they're so defiantly defending against it. 
And for a long time, you know, kids do that. They try to say, you know, that's not true. I'm not like that. I didn't do it. Right. Um, and you try to defend against it, but you can't win those arguments in, in, in certain dysfunctional families or environments. You just can't. And so, you know, the narcissist doesn't often realize that there's anything wrong with them. So they project and transfer the blame onto other people. In a recent study involving nearly 400 participants, researchers concluded that shame was found to mediate the association between vulnerable narcissism and attachment styles. I mean, that's proven. Specifically, young adults who scored higher in vulnerable narcissism experienced greater shame and in turn, higher fearful attachment and less secure attachment. They don't know what intimacy is. They never experienced it. How would they know? Uh, and then because of the whole shame thing, they just can't go there. So what happens when the shame becomes blame? Blame shifting is when a person does something wrong or inappropriate and then dumps the blame on someone else to avoid taking responsibility for their own behavior. Individuals with cluster B disorders regularly use blame shifting to manipulate conflict because, um, you know, admitting fault is really not an option. They're not going to own that. They're not going to own anything ever. There are the top 10 ways that a person with narcissistic personality disorder projects his or her shame on to others. Let's go through these really quick. I know you love the listicles. Listicles? Is that what it's called? Like, okay. <clears throat> okay, sorry. Number one, playing the victim, eliciting pity, gaslighting, assigning guilt, making word salad, circular arguments, and projection. That's all number one. Two, dropping the stink bomb, uh, making false accusations to deflect. Three, uh, convincing themselves that their parent proxy deserves punishment. Yeah, they convince themselves that we're just so horrible uh, that we deserve to be punished. Their partner, the one that they have devalued and they're getting ready to discard. Yeah, we deserve punishment. Becoming disconnected from reality and, and disassociative, thus losing the truth. That's number four. I think that's four. Um, five, rewriting history, like revisionist history and creating false narratives. They do that. They fill in gaps because they have memory. There's a word for it. I can't think of it right now, but it's the kind of memory that a narcissist has. They don't have emotional memory recall at all. When you're gone, out of sight, out of mind, lack of object constancy, so that, um, you know, they didn't manage to get that when they were going through that developmental stage as children. And so when you're not there, it's like you don't exist. And then put on top of that, they don't remember. They have sort of selective amnesia and they have this automatic uh, erasing tool that kind of goes through and just erases chunks of things that are, you know, that they wouldn't want to remember. They're just gone, just erased like they never happened. And then when they think back and reflect on it and they can't remember pieces, they fill in the blanks with all this made up fabrication and confabulation, it never happened, but they believe it did. 
I lost track of my numbers. Sorry. So I'm just going to keep reading theirs. Here's the next one. Convincing the world that they are flawless and wonderful while smearing their partner. Mm -hmm, they do that. And this is another way to shift the blame. Uh, another one, devaluing and finding fault uh, with increasing contempt and hatred as time passes. And another, believing they are innocent, good, kind, benevolent people. They are the white hat. They are the hero in every story. They write it that way, right? They, they write it like that, and then they, they, after they've written it, they act out that script. And that's, that's real. That's reality to them. And so they're always the good guy fighting evil. They think that they are, you know, all that and a bag of chips because they're good, you know, and people are being mean to them and the world is full of mean, bad people. And they're not a mean, bad person. Everyone else is, or at least a lot of other people are. Um, and then the last one, number 10, <laughs> we got to number 10, accusing others of the things they themselves are guilty of, projection, transference, all of that. They unload that onto other people so they don't have to carry it. All of these actions are designed to do one thing, to absolve them of any responsibility or accountability for their actions. Blame shifting not only elevates the abuser, but rationalizes his or her unwillingness to take responsibility. Blame shifting in adult relationships effectively strips the target of whatever agency he or she thinks she has or he has or ever had. And, and foremost, blame shifting allows the person with NPD, um, allows them to, um, to maintain power and control to keep their false persona alive and to protect their view of themselves as perfect, flawless, and without fault. Your shame can cause a narcissist to target you. That's the last thing I want to talk about. Narcissists recognize who is likely to feel ashamed and then create situations that generate more shame for those individuals. Shame becomes an instrument of control for narcissists in relationships. It's easier to weaponize shame if they're victim slash volunteer. And that's really what we are, victim, volunteer. We're not just victims. We choose to be there. We choose to stay there. We volunteer. You know, if they've already got issues with shame, um, you know, uh, that makes their narcissist job easy and that makes it a really good fit for them. Uh, I, you know, a person with a strong amount of self-confidence, unshakable identity and healthy boundaries and self-acceptance will not tolerate a narcissist's use of shame. And as a result, a person with NPD is going to seek someone else who's more vulnerable and susceptible to their manipulations. The narcissist plays on the empathetic response of those who feel ashamed. The narcissist may not display his or her deep emotions, but they are highly effective in directing those who have uncertainty or even insecurity in their perception of self. And it is these individuals who get sucked into the web of narcissistic abuse because they can be easily manipulated 
and do not stand to defend themselves because of their own weak esteem, um, self-esteem or, or doubts. Not only does the narcissist detect the vulnerability, but he or she also creates situations to generate feelings of shame in the partner. By creating more shame, they put themselves in a position of control. Now the narcissist not only blame shifts to deflect their guilt, they also use the silent treatment. They protect against shame by shutting down all communication with the person who has hurt them. If the narcissist suspects that you may not see them as superior, they will stop communicating with you through the silent treatment. This is another way the narcissist returns control to themselves. You know, if you can understand that narcissists are on a constant quest to protect against feelings of shame, you can understand why they behave the way they do. It is not only destructive to others, but self-destructive as well. Their inability to accept responsibility for the suffering they cause demonstrates that there are life-altering forces at work with their broken brains and hollowed-out cores. There is a significant developmental paralysis and failure to create an identity or self that is required to be a fully functioning individual. You have to have a core. You have to be egocentric. You have to have that. The shame and blame are evidence that the narcissist is incapable of being a healthy or whole human. Understanding this limitation Understanding the facts that they that they're damaged, broken, mentally unsound people can prevent you, like everybody, from being injured and becoming their next victim and their desperate attempt to be something they can never be and feel something that will always be out of reach. Okay, that's it for today, guys. Um, visit me at narctroopers.com. I'm working on a Udemy class um, that you can purchase for a very small price. Um, my podcasts are free. My articles are free. My uh, YouTube vlog is free. I want you all to check those out because I've got some really good information there. Um, I think it will help you. I hope it will help you. I'm sharing the things that got me through the last three and a half years. And, um, you know, for the most part, I feel that I might <laughs> be okay. Um, but I want to share those things with you because if they help me, they can help you. Because I was in a, in a terrible, terrible shape. Um, and I lived to tell about it. Lived another day. So uh, check that out. And don't forget about the uh, webinar that's going to be uh, free the reason I do a couple of little things um, for super low prices, like I do some consulting collaboration work with uh, people who want to learn more to be able to manage their emotions and get through um, their separation and disengagement from the narcissist. Um, it's half what you would pay a traditional therapist. And I guarantee you, I think, um, that I have a definite broader scope and sequence understanding of what you face 
as a victim of narcissistic abuse than a lot of regular um, therapists out there and social workers and those types. You know, a lot of them have no idea how to help you and they don't have any idea what you're experiencing. I do. And so, um, yeah, for those, the, the little things that I do charge for, first of all, it's, you know, time. Time is a precious commodity, right? And secondly, there's a cost to keep all of this up and going. Um, I have to pay, you know, for my website and there's operational fees. So I just want to break even. I'm not trying to make money from anybody. I just want to break even and not be spending money to help people. Um, I would like to just be able to do it and not have to have a cost to do it. So support me with that, please. And uh, share my work. If, if you enjoy my podcast, then uh, share them with somebody. Um, I, I just want to get the word out there and have people understand more about this. I firmly believe that the world around us has more and more people who are mentally not okay and who have disorders and who are probably cluster B. I mean, we have psychopaths, sociopaths, and narcissists in all you know, levels of power, running things, um, making decisions for all of us, you know, they're, they're growing in number and we live in a world that sort of supports that. And, um, so that's kind of scary and we need to know more about it. I think we do. So join me on the fifth for the free Q and a and tips on surviving the holidays. I'll put that in the description and, uh, Check out my other work, my articles and um, and my video vlog. I, I will tell you one last thing. My articles and these podcasts are very close to the same thing. Um, I take, I write the articles first. I do my research. I do my prep. I gather it all together, and I try to distill it into little nuggets that you can digest and keep with you. Um, and then I take those and kind of turn those into the podcast so that I'm not making two completely different content creations. I kind of merge those and make like a article and then a more impromptu, but based on the article kind of podcast. And then on the video channel, I just <laughs> ramble on about random things. There's like over a hundred of them that chronicle my journey from the first days in 2019 when every day was a complete panic, acute panic episode and collapse to now where I'm okay most of the time. <laughs> so uh, check it out and I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you for being here and let's, let's spread the word. Okay. Bye. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.